0: Hello, everyone. My name is Rudy Rosique. I'm a senior here at Syracuse University, and welcome to the next episode of Deep Dive. We have a special guest today, Dr. Holly Redmond. She is currently a physical therapist at the Syracuse VA. And today she's here to speak about how she became a physical therapist, a life of physical therapist, and why more veterans should be more inclined to get healthcare at the VA. So, Dr. Holly Redmond, can you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, yep. My name is Holly Redmond. Um, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I started out, uh, ooh, it was a long road for me to become a physical therapist, truthfully. Um, but, you know, it was worth it in the end to, to be where I am now, I got to say. Um, I started out, uh, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I started at the University of Rochester and uh, initially I picked neuroscience. And then I realized that I, I like working with people. I like like being able to see what I am doing. Um, the like minuscule details of it weren't for me. And uh, honestly, I didn't see enough like direct application. I could work on like research for 10 years and never really see the result of that. But when I'm working with like patients, you see them get better. And I started doing my physical therapy shadowing, and I saw people get better, and it was magical to me. So I thought, okay, that's that's my path. So I ended up transferring. Um, I went to SUNY Brockport, and I studied ex-phys and psych. X phys just because I wanted to learn exercises to help people get better, and psych because I wanted to be able to um, coming at it from like a cognitive perspective, like how to get people to stick with their plans, how to get them motivated. I ended up working in cardiac rehab for a little while and, uh, doing cardiopulmonary stuff. Um, so working with people who are recovering from like heart attacks and, uh, things like that. And, uh, then I got into PT school and I went to upstate for that. I spent some time doing personal training, teaching group exercise, like while I was a student and, uh, ultimately got hired, uh, at a outpatient practice in Cortland. Um, I worked there for a year and then got picked up by the VA, uh, which was, like, my greatest blessing.
0: Wow. So where would you go to school?
1: I went to—I started at U of R, and then I transferred to SUNY Brockport for undergrad. U of R? Yeah, the University of Rochester. Yep. And then um, I transferred to SUNY Brockport. And truthfully, that was a great decision for me just because at U of R, they had classes that were, like, 300. And at um, Brockport, my classes were maybe max of 40 people. So I felt like I could really ask questions and, like, try things instead of just sitting in a lecture hall. And I did my master's uh, at Wake Forest University, and then my doctorate in physical therapy at Upstate. A a long road.
0: (laughs) Yeah, cool. So, do you have a military background in your family, or why did you choose to work at the VA?
1: You know, I wanted to work at the VA even when I was an undergrad. I just I really saw it as working with the most deserving people because. Everybody is motivated to do things for themselves, but not everybody is motivated to do something for someone else or for someone they've never met. And like to me, working with people who have at some point said like, I'm gonna give it all for my country, Uh, really seemed like it was the most meaningful population so both my grandfathers were veterans so initially I thought I might join the military I did ROTC for two years at Brockport and at the time I really loved it but I thought I also might want to go into teaching and become a professor so I didn't commission and uh, you know I wouldn't change anything that I did truthfully because I love where I am now so you know maybe in another life I would have gone that route but I can't take it back
0: yeah, it worked out pretty well for you. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So um I have had multiple surgeries at the VA. I had physical therapists in California here. And most of my experience at the VA has been pretty fantastic. In every company there's bad workers. So I had my fair share of bad workers at the VA as well. But why do you think it's such a bad stigma at the VA?
1: Ugh, oh, that's tricky. Um, you know. I think that part of it is just that things were different in the past than they are now. And like times have really changed, but people hear stories of like, oh, like, you know, their uncle or their friend or like, you know, a family friend or coworker that like got bad care. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty unfortunate that that stigma is out there because working at the Syracuse VA, I have incredible passionate coworkers and like the doctors really care. And you know, you know, when somebody has your best interest at heart, like, you know, when someone's listening to you, you know, when they're going, you know, above and beyond to get what you need. And I think that, you know, wherever you go for your care, you got to listen to that. Like, is this person listening to me? Like, did they ask you about your own goals? Like, are they just checking off the boxes? Did they really take their time to do a thorough exam? And, you know, if you're finding that they're not, ask for a different provider. Um, I know we we've talked several times about like being your own advocate and, you know, you have to be like the driving force behind your care. You know, we touched on that something that's kind of hard for for veterans to do um, and for a lot of people to do. But truthfully, like you got to be the squeaky wheel at times um, if you're not getting, you know, the imaging that you feel like you need or like the support and follow up. Call them again. I know it's sometimes you feel like a pain and it's it's difficult to say, hey, like I already called about this, like, you don't want to make waves, but you got to do it. And, like, keep your own records as well. So it's easy for, like, records to fall through the cracks. Um, you know, maybe you give it to one provider, but it's not uploaded into your full chart, and then other providers can't see it. And truthfully, that's one of the best, like, things about being at the VA is all of your records are in one place. All of your care is in one place. Like, if you have a note from another provider, I can reference it. I can see your imaging. I can compare it to, you know, what you had in the past. And, like, I think um, I would really encourage, like, other veterans to, to come to the VA for that purpose alone, just because all of your care is in one place.
0: makes perfect sense, and um, like you said, like, veterans have to advocate for themselves because no one else will at this point. We're not in no more. We don't have like, a leader that'll tell us like, what to do and how to do it. Like, we have to do it ourselves. I'm not saying doing it ourselves is hard for us, but not making something work is hard for a lot of veterans. The doctor is not doing his job. It's on me to make it work.
1: Yeah, if you feel that way, ask for a different provider.
0: And you can definitely ask for different provider, the VA. Right? Yes.
1: Yep. Yep. If you feel like you're not clicking with any one of your providers, whether it be like your primary care, your like, you know, podiatrist, massage therapist, ask for someone else. It's totally okay. And, you know, you know, when you are working with somebody who feel you feel like they get you and like, you know, I honestly, whether or not they're listening to you is huge. Whether they remember what you say, whether they documented, you know, your goals and like what you're personally working towards, as opposed to just like a general outcome measure or a number, Um, you know, they remember your name and like you feel comfortable telling them whatever you need to, you know, when you get that feeling with like a friend and you should kind of have. Um, a sense that your provider like cares about you in a professional way as well. And like you have an open relationship and like they're going above and beyond for you. One of the best examples I have is like if you ask a question and your provider says like, oh, well, that's not my department. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's not somebody who's really going out of their way and like, you know, trying to get you the best possible care. You know, somebody who really has your best interest at heart is going to say, let me find that out for you. You know, let me call this department. Let me put in a note to contact that provider and have them reach out to you. I'll set up your appointment. I'm gonna recommend this for you. And like, they're making really specific connections and kind of guiding you and like setting up the path for you to get, you know, the other services that you might need.
0: So we touch on it a little bit, what kind of services does the VA provide?
1: Oh, we got it all, <laughs> truthfully. Um, you know, from a, a PT standpoint, if someone was coming for PT and I see that they need massage, I can recommend them. Chiropractic, like some sort of custom shoe inserts. If they're having an issue with their blood supply or vasculature, like we can we can recommend it. We've got a lot of services, too, that they don't have in the community. For instance, if you went to outpatient PT, they wouldn't be able to do iontophoresis because that involves medication. But here, I can have your doctor a quick sign off on your note, and I can do that on like, um, steroid treatment to relieve inflammation. We can issue you biowaves or do shockwave treatment. We can do dry needling, ultrasound. There's a lot that we can do as providers at the VA that I wouldn't be able to do in the community. If, we, if you need equipment, I can try to issue it. If you need a foam roll, if you need any type of bands, if you need a Theracane, like whatever, whatever you need, a cervical pillow, even (laughs) if you're having neck pain, like we can get it for you. And that I, that I really like because there's nothing worse than like say you know you're working in the community and you see somebody that you know has fallen six times that week and they need you know a specific type of device so that they're not going to trip over their toes and you can't just give it to them whereas at the VA we got it i mean we've issued custom bicycles to people who you know want to get back to biking we've issued like robotic legs to people who've been like shot in the spine like we've got we've got everything and you know if it's um if it's something that can help someone we'll give it to you. Like we want to see people get better. And like, that's the best part of the job is seeing somebody kind of get back to what they want to do, accomplish their goals, being able to live their life to the fullest again. I mean, that's like the definition of health to me is being able to like live your life in the way that you want to. No, that's fantastic.
0: And you're really right. A lot of friends are like kind of timid to ask for things from the V. I bought in, Fantastic knee scooters when I for when I broke my leg initially wheelchairs I got in so many things like more than I even needed and it's, it's been great today they uh, gave me that heel raise from a foot but then they also put me in for like custom shoe padding like wow this is this is amazing it's free and they can order me more if I need it there's so many options the va that a lot of veterans do not know about especially like ones of us like in our 20s there's such a bad stigma a lot of us had did not have a good time in the military all the time when it came to leadership and getting the best healthcare so I think just Naturally, your brain is like, oh, VA, military, not good, which is which is unfortunate.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I have heard that from like several vets. Like, I've had people in their 80s come back and they have these pamphlets that they were given in the military with back exercises. And they tell me that they've been doing these exercises for 60 years. And, you know, this is just like a pamphlet that was given to them by like some drill sergeant that, you know, didn't really have any type of background in like therapy or exercise. And, uh, you know, I look at it and I'm like, wow this is falling apart. Like, <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe you've been doing this for 60 years. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, we have great training at the VA, like really great training. And I don't know that everybody who is directing you in the military has that same kind of training. You know, I think you, you're given enough training to accomplish the mission and do what you need to do, but is the mission always, um, in the best interest of your health? Perhaps not, you know?
0: So from my experience in military, I was on a submarine. And so I can't speak for everybody, but I know from my experience and a lot of other uh, sort of veterans on campus I've spoken to, the mission always came first. hundred percent of the time, you as a person, your mental health, your physical health didn't really matter. That was the bottom line. I think, you know, I think that's why the, the VA do not really give the a chance or stuff like that. But for you when you get a new patient I tell you and uh Dr. Raymond, I really want to go run again these are my goals how much do you take someone's goals into consideration when making a rehab plan
1: well honestly their goals are really the only thing that matters first off you gotta ask them like well when was the last time you ran because um, sometimes I'll get people who like haven't run in 30 years and <laughs> usually the therapy goal is to get them back to what they were doing before the injury so you know uh, if the person was walking like around their block three times a day, that's that's typically what your return to what your return to goal would be. But you know, you like being an athlete, we want to get you back to what you're doing like right before you had your injury. You know, so you gotta you gotta listen to people because also, where's their motivation if you're not working towards their goals? You can't just tell somebody, all right, like this is gonna be your goal, um, and expect them to you know do exercises every day to work towards that. No way, like people aren't gonna work towards a goal that they're not coming up with like from within. It's got to come from within.
0: Do you find a lot of people don't give rehab a chance in general, not just veterans?
1: You know, I do. And uh, that's part of why I love working with the veterans, truthfully. Um, when I worked in the community, a lot of the people who I was seeing had never exercised or they hadn't, you know, done any type of like physical activity since like high school gym and they didn't enjoy it back then. So, like, to tell them now, like, all right, like, you got to start doing exercises like every day, at least every other day, and they're in pain, like, they, they don't want to do it. All of the veterans have at one point in their life, like, gone through basic, they've exercised, Like they know what it's like to commit to a routine and to like push themselves. If I say that you know this exercise is going to help them, they most of the time will say like okay. And a lot of the time, if I don't recommend exercise, people will still ask me, "Wait, like, are we going to do any exercises?" I'm like, "Oh well, we got to we got to you know pump the brakes a little bit." <laughs> but eventually, yes. And you know, typically, um, according to the research, like exercise is always going to be your best treatment. Sometimes exercise in conjunction with something else. But I, I really got to say, like, that's a, a huge difference in mindset between working with just general people in the community and with the veterans it seems like most of you do have the attitude of what do i need to do to get through this which will take you so far
0: and by community you mean like care in the yeah
1: just general public. and
0: like at local hospitals local therapist centers and whatnot right yeah one of the biggest thing too i found in the community because i'm interning there right now is like they don't really give anything for free never which is like heartbreaking when you see someone who can't even walk and they the best time they walk is with the physical therapist with all the equipment and they're like all right go buy this now I'm Like, this guy this person may not be able to afford this you know or they have two visits and they need six weeks worth of rehab but they only have a handful of visits that were approved by insurance that sucks
1: yeah a lot of people can't even make it to bt like they don't drive or uh, you know they have poor vision they don't have a car and, you know, the DAV will take you to therapy if you need it as a vet. And if you need, you know, any any piece of equipment to walk, like, we'll give it to you. And we'll train you on how to use it. We'll make sure that you can lift it into a vehicle. Like, if you can't, we'll give you a scooter. <laughs> like, a, if you need a stair glide to get up to the second floor of your home, we got you. A ramp, sure. Like, whatever you need to really, like, live your life to the fullest, I mean, we'll try to make it happen.
0: Um, how long have you been working at the VA?
1: I've been there for three years now.
0: So it's a pretty short amount of time, but have you seen any difference of like newer veterans coming in?
1: Yeah, yeah. We see people of all ages. Uh, before I started at the VA, I was a little bit bummed because I thought I wasn't going to see many women. I was all, like kind of going to see a lot of older adults. And you know what? I see people like as young as hmm, probably 23 or so. So you're, I think the youngest that I've seen. And it's awesome. I mean, the younger vets are coming in with such confidence. You know, they, <laughs> a lot of the time will like, come in and they'll have like specific questions that they want to ask me and like very specific goals that they want to work towards. And like, they're like just super driven people. I love that. It really brings like an enthusiasm to the clinic that like, sometimes I'm, I'm the one bringing the the energy to the session and the younger vets will bring it. They'll be like, all right, I did this, you know, I did I did what you told me to do, but I also did this. What do you think about this? And like, they're bringing me different ideas. It's it's fun. I, I gotta say, I love, love. When I have like the younger vets coming in, especially the student vets, because, you know, a lot of the time, like they'll pick my brain and like challenge me. And uh, it just makes it fun to talk to somebody who's like passionate about what they're doing.
0: What do you think has changed that tide of younger people going
1: in? I think in Syracuse, it's probably the proximity, like with the VA hospital being so close to the university. And also like maybe word of mouth, like hearing about the good experience of another student vet, persuade somebody to check it out that hadn't in the past. I have had a couple people come through and say hey like my friend recommended you and like you know they want you specifically and like that's always really nice you know we we're all wonderful i got to say like any every one of my coworkers um, you'd have a great a great experience with but it it does warm your heart to hear that you know one of your former people has said hey you should go and have therapy with Holly <laughs> yeah
0: you're obviously a really good uh, physical therapist thanks but I think one of the best things that makes you so great in your career is that it's not like a cookie cutter answer every time and that's one of the things like I'm going really like so many of these higher ranking people always give cookie cutter answers and like which is annoying and which is really annoying when you go to healthcare and they give you cookie cutter answer right like, hey just do this and you know I'll fix your knee I'll fix your ankle I'll fix your back but like I think that's why a lot of people go to Google instead what are your thoughts about about that.
1: oh man <laughs> so it's crazy like we didn't always have so much information available to us like or just like at our fingertips and a lot of the time like somebody will come in and say like hey I googled this and you know what sometimes people are right like people know their bodies and I'm glad that that information exists but at the same time there's a lot that they might not be considering for instance like if you have any injury like say you have um, something going on with your elbow a lot of the time people just google like the elbow and like different things about the elbow but usually um, what's above and below controls what happens in the middle. So, you know, somebody who's trained Can you,
0: for those of us that's not in the physical therapy training right now, or in physical therapy school mm-hmm. or the healthcare, what do you mean by
1: oh, below so, and above? Yeah. So, um, the joints above and below the area of injury. So like, will you look use the elbow for the example? Um, a lot of the time when I see like, say pain on the outside of the elbow, it's coming from the shoulder because they're moving their shoulder in a funny way and they're not really using some of the muscles of the rotator cuff, so the elbow is now compensating. You know, as a PT, like, if somebody's having a hip issue, I'm gonna look at their low back and I'm gonna look at their knee. I'm gonna look at their ankle because it's all so interconnected. And, you know, we can never say for certain, like, this is the cause of this. Anybody who tells you, like, that, oh, this is because of this, like, this is the cause, They're full of shit. (laughs) You never know. There's so many factors that goes in, but you know we can screen each region of the body and determine like how one region of the body might be affecting another region. And you know the area where you're having pain might not even be the area with dysfunction. It might be that you have a weak hip and your knee is kind of compensating for it and taking the taking the brunt of the work. Um, So that's the kind of stuff that you can't really find on Google. It's, uh, it's also hard to have eyes on yourself. You can get a lot just by looking in a mirror of you from the side, from the back, like filming yourself, but that takes hours and hours of time. And honestly, like, do you know what you're looking for? You know, are you going off of like one YouTube video when this one other YouTube video might say the exact opposite thing? And you could search for answers and spend a hundred hours searching for an answer or go to somebody who's already spent hundreds of hours mastering this material. Do the same movement in front of them and immediately they're like, oh, you need to work on this. It's easier to have somebody else kind of assess you and point out, you know, exactly where you can improve rather than wasting hours and hours and hours of time trying to self-diagnose. And maybe you get it, maybe you don't.
0: That's an interesting point because something I would never have uh, picked up on my own, um, unless I came to a good physical therapist like yourself here, then my foot naturally goes outward now after my surgery. Vice the normal inward a little bit And because in my head When the previous people that I saw in my home state of California They were just like Just be able to walk and run But I never really took time to like Look at the very fine mechanics They're just like the gross motor skills And so that's something that I would never picked up on Google I never even thought about If it wasn't like for you like really caring about Veterans coming in So that's, that's another reason why I think like Maybe people shouldn't only rely on Google
1: oh, for, yeah. their,
0: for their medical needs
1: Oh yeah, yep. You can't have eyes on yourself. You can't manipulate yourself. <laughs> like, it's really, really hard to uh, to kind of evaluate your own motion. And really, like, there's so much value in getting your hands on someone and feeling how their joints are moving passively versus actively. Like, you're not gonna passively move your own joint. You need you need somebody else to do that for you. And in order to get into the position where you could even attempt to do it, you're already kind of taking yourself out of like. A neutral position most of the time. Like say you want to evaluate your ankle, you're probably gonna cross your leg. And now you're doing something kind of funny at the, you know, you're looking at your hip in an open position, your knee in a closed position versus, which is very different from when you're walking. You're not walking with your leg in a figure four. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it really is. It, it just saves you so many hours and hours and hours of time to go to a trained professional and have them give you their assessment versus trying to teach it all to yourself and like self-diagnose.
0: Can you tell me about a typical day in your life at the VA?
1: I try to be pretty active. I walk in. <laughs> so I walk into work and then uh, I grab some water. I sit at my desk and I look at who I've got coming in for the day. Um, I typically write up a plan for the next session at the end of the last session. So I review what I intend to do with each person. Um, I usually have two initial evaluations per day, people I haven't seen before. So I'll go through and I'll look at their imaging. I'll look at you know any past medical history, any notes from their doctor come up with an idea of what I want to examine. And sometimes they come in and it's pretty straightforward and it is exactly what I think it'll be. And other times, it's completely different. You know, the doctor might have put in, like, weakness, but they're actually having difficulty with, uh, gosh, I had a guy who had trouble lifting cinder blocks in his garden because his lawn has a 30-degree slope to it. <laughs> so we ended up working on, like, how to pick up cinder blocks, like, as an 85-year-old man without falling over when you're on an even ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, the, the diagnosis doesn't always capture what's really going on. Um, so I have two new people a day, and then uh, I have, you no. Know, maybe eight or so patients that I've seen before. And every time, you know, somebody comes in, I ask them, how'd you do with last session? Okay, great. Like, you know, what have you done in in between? How are you feeling? Like, what what are your thoughts? And, you know, if they are happy with how things are going, then I progress it. And if they have a different concern, then we check into it. So you always got to keep an open mind. Um, And that's something that I struggled with in school because a lot of the time they would say, like, all right, Holly, like, this is the diagnosis. Come up with five things that you want to evaluate and what you might expect to see. And I, I really disagreed with that. And I still disagree with that as a clinician now. And, like, I feel confident saying that. I think that you want to approach every situation with an open mind. You know, I had a guy come in. Um, gosh, the consult was, I think, just leg strengthening. And doing his evaluation, I think he had a stroke. He had like a lot of swelling. He didn't really sense his right hand too well. The coordination wasn't there. I ended up taking like his shoes and socks off. He had like open wounds and I'm pretty sure that he has like a cardiovascular issue um, where his heart's not kind of pumping the the blood from the leg back up to the heart and back into the circulation again. So that needs to be assessed stat, otherwise he might lose the leg. So. I would, I would encourage you to do you know, what you need to do to get through your program, um, but keep an open mind and know that the way that you learn in school is not the way that you're going to do things forever. You're going to take a piece from everything, and you always want to keep an open mind and not just expect to see like something. Uh, a lot of the time, you know what you expect to see will be there, but a lot of the time it won't, and you, you're going to miss what's really going on if you go in expecting something to be there.
0: So you brought up a good point about school. I think it's easy when the doctor's are already like a doctor and they kind of forget their time as an undergrad and grad school. What would you say to someone that felt a class, a test, like, and they're like losing hope? Like, what would you tell them?
1: Oh, I would tell them I've been there. Uh, not enough people talk about failure and that i don't know i don't know why they don't i think they think it's embarrassing but truthfully like the people that you see in you know any any position um where you're looking up to them you know anyone who's like really worked their way up they've failed more than anybody else and the most confident people will talk about it i failed so many times and you know what it made me better. It's normal and it's gonna improve whatever you're trying to learn. My gosh, I wouldn't be half the clinician that I am now if I hadn't failed as many times as I did. And you could almost think of like failure as the goal. Like the quicker that you fail something, the quicker you can learn from your mistakes and then learn how to do it better the next time. Like failure kind of points you in in, the, in a better direction than you were headed the first time. I mean, say you, say you spend like so much time, like thinking and thinking and thinking about how to do a problem rather than just attempting it, seeing what happens, and then trying again in a different way. It's, I mean, honestly, that the more that you fail, the better. And you learn from, you know, you learn what not to do through failure. I, I failed to, uh, let's see, I got a C, a C plus, I think, in chem. And you know what? I took it over the summer. I put all of my efforts into, like, chem just that one time because that wasn't an area of strength to me. And you know what? That one class, like, didn't define my career at all. I, I failed. Uh, I failed an outpatient clinical in PT school, and I ended up going around and like shadowing people who. I knew were incredible that I really wanted to learn from, and I became so much better for it. And I think that uh, yeah, that's a
0: big deal, by the way. Oh yeah, right. Because oh yeah, you said it very nonchalantly, but I had a whole another year at expense at school.
1: It did, yeah, it did. And at the time, I was so dejected and like I was anxious when I returned to school, and I had to kind of deal with that too. Like I, I knew that if I failed again, you know, I was out, and that put um, that put a lot of pressure on me. So, oh, man, I did everything from, like, meditating to, like, over-preparing to you know, trying to just be like incredibly grateful towards my professors so that they could see, you know, how much I wanted to be there. I I put in hours and hours and hours of time like trying to trying to kind of make up for the failure. And, you know, I learned so much as a result of it that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. I never would have done any of the shadowing. I never would have worked at upstate hospital where I worked in like a trauma center. Gosh, I never would have taken like multiple continuing ed courses that I took to try to improve where I thought my weaknesses were and I use those techniques all the time it ended up being a a good experience at the time I would have told you it was like the worst year of my life (laughs) because (laughs) you know I wanted to be a PT so bad and here I hit this huge stumbling block but I gotta say I wouldn't I wouldn't be nearly as skilled as I feel I am now if I hadn't failed and then I hadn't sought out those extra learning opportunities
0: how important confidence is in this
1: career I feel like confidence is huge in any career and that's something that I will always be working towards i think you you build confidence uh, with experience. So the more times that you've done something, the more confident you feel and really just going at something quickly, like not letting fear build up. Like say, you know, you are coming up on a type of problem or a type of patient that you've never seen before. I wouldn't, I wouldn't delay the experience, you know, just go right into it. Like get your hands wet and like dirty and do it and you'll learn from it. And then you'll be more confident the next time. I think like waiting on something and anticipating it and like letting the fear build is probably the worst thing you can do. Mel Robbins has a technique that I think she calls it the five second rule where you know if something is uh is challenging to you just count down in your head like five four three two one and when you get to one you do it that way you don't have any of the thoughts of like oh well what about this like what if this happens like you know don't let the fear creep in just do it
0: so i imagine that working in the va you get a lot of um, different types of people mm-hmm. old young different experiences in the military I have a different mental tool on them so you have to keep your like composure throughout the whole time what does it mean to be professional
1: Oh, that's a great question and I'm really glad that you asked that. For me, it's always being open. Sometimes people will come in and they will have had a bad experience in the past and you kind of listen to them, say I'm sorry that that happened, you know, acknowledge that their experience was real to them and not be defensive about it. You know, maintain that curious mindset, like ask them, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think should have happened instead? You know, what are your goals coming in today? And uh, And also, I think that you got to recognize that when you're at work, you're at work. A lot of the time, like, you know, we all have stuff going on in our personal lives. True professionals are able to set that aside and focus on the person in front of them. You know, they're coming to you. They're taking time out of their day. They trust you with sensitive information. Like you got to give them your full attention and your best and leave whatever is going on in your personal life at the door. When you're at work, you're at work and you got to be given a hundred percent to your people.
0: Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. So you talk about pizza school and how hard it was. And obviously like a doctor program is very tough, just like, you know, law school or any other graduate program is very tough. How important do you think exercise is during these rigorous moments?
1: Huge, huge. Oh, Initially when I was in PT school, I would do these like marathon blocks of studying and you know what? I probably got the most out of the first 40 minutes out of like the four or five hours that I was there. And uh, I I was fortunate. I had a friend, Mike, who told me like, Holly, no, you got to make time for exercise because you're going to come back physically tired, but mentally refreshed. And that is so true. You know, exercise is one of the building blocks of of mental health. Like you're going to release endorphins. You're going to relax more. You're going to be able to focus better after you've moved your body. And... I would also break that up multiple times throughout the day. If you can, the, the old theory was like, Oh, you work out once a day and you're good. And it's not exactly true. (laughs) You know, more and more people are seeing the negative effects of sitting. And as a student, I was never able to walk on the treadmill and study. I don't know about you, but, um, I did so much sitting. and now the research is kind of showing like that you gotta, you gotta get moving multiple times a day. If you're sitting that much, even if it's in like a, 10 minute block, like take a quick walk, you know, go do some stairs. You could pull up a YouTube video and do something for even five minutes, but move your body, drink water. I mean, you really got to kind of take care of yourself um i don't know if you're familiar with like maslow's higher gave needs but you you need to take care of yourself like physically you need to give your body good food you need to you know sleep uh get in the sun like all that has to really be taken care of first before you can work on like self-actualization and getting you know to be where you are as a person and becoming like you know your best self like all those basic needs need to come first and being a student comes after that
0: so just go back to your work environment a little bit. Myself and other veterans have had a experience where sometimes we get looked down upon at the VA. And like they'll talk to us like if we're like dumb or something. Or like how do you not know this? Have you in the mindset of a doctor at the VA? Sometimes you guys like forget. Like while well, we're talking to people who've deployed talking to people who've done some really awesome things for the country especially like the older veterans like Vietnam As, when they're older sometimes it's easy to forget like who they were they're like a badass dudes and so it gets me kind of aggravated sometimes when I hear some other veterans they might not be the best advocate for themselves because they don't really have a background in health the moment I started school here and learning more about health and examining the health and exercise science I've been able to ask a lot more in-depth questions because I know what to ask now I know when someone's telling me something like I'm not saying I know more than a doctor yet but I know when someone someone's giving a cookie cutter answer.
1: It's true. Yeah.
0: And someone without a degree or pursuing a degree in the health field, they might not know. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, I guess that was a dumb question. I shouldn't have answered it. Uh, from a doctor's point of view, like sometimes it's easy to forget like who your population is, even though you work at the VA hospital.
1: Boy, you know, I always try to come at it from the perspective of how I need to learn it best. So I'm a, I'm a super visual person. And even though I can, like, describe to someone what's going on in their body, I know that I need to see it in order to fully understand it. So with pretty much every one of my patients, I'll pull up pictures and I'll show them, or I'll pull out, like, a model and I'll show them exactly what's going on so that they can visualize it and like really understand what's happening because it's so easy to throw a bunch of like medical jargon at people and it goes in one ear and out the other. The terms that they've never heard, you know, they aren't entirely certain of what's going on. A lot of the time people's heart rate goes up and their blood pressure goes up just being in the hospital environment. So they're already kind of in a state of stress. And, you know, if you just throw a bunch of jargon at them or just give them an exercise and don't explain to them what's going on, number one, like where's the trust? You know, you haven't explained to them what, what's, what's happening and you haven't given them a rationale to you know really believe in your treatment here and why they need to do it so i i always try to kind of assess how someone learns best and then teach it to them in a way that they'll understand so that they're motivated to do whatever they need to do to accomplish their goals and if you don't feel that your provider is doing that you got to change to somebody else
0: why is it important for vet to be their own advocate
1: Oh, (laughs) so a lot of the time, what is said to one provider isn't well documented. And, you know, you might've said it to someone, but they didn't type it up. And now other providers don't know. And in the community, if you tell one provider and then you go to a different office, like they have no idea, you know, if you get imaging done um, somewhere else in the community and you assume that the VA has it, well, we don't, they haven't sent it over. So you need to, number one, like, give a thorough history every time that you see a new provider so that they know exactly what's going on. And also you gotta, you gotta be the squeaky wheel. It's easy to have someone give you that cookie cutter answer. And you know, when you're hearing the cookie cutter answer, you know, the person hasn't spent a lot of time with you. They haven't really listened to you. They haven't touched you. If, if they haven't touched you as a physical, if, you know, if they haven't put hands on and felt what's going on, like, but you know, you know, when someone's doing a thorough exam and if they're not, then you gotta you gotta advocate for yourself. You gotta say, hey, like I'd like you to check this out. I'm concerned about this, and like also keep your own records. If you if you have imaging done somewhere, get a copy of it. That way, it's not just like lost forever.
0: On that topic, I'll yeah. just say, um, so I've been to multiple VAs in multiple states now, and the common misconception is that every VA talks to one another, and it's not. If the VAs are not in the same region; they will not talk to one another. So you need to almost apply again, to the new VA hospital to start, your, get your primary care, go in and get any extra side care you need. When I say side care, I mean not, not that's a side thing, but like just like not your primary care, like a physical therapist or massage therapist or podiatrist, what do you mean? So that process may not always be the smoothest, but stay with it because it will be worth it. You don't need to do anything with your old one. When I went from California here, I called the local one here and some said, I need healthcare here. They didn't ask any question from California one. And the person you might get might not be the good at the job when you come make the call. Stay with it. Leave messages. Call back because it is worth in the long run. When I got out, I had, I had no intention of bringing my leg, but it happened. So you never know when you need it. Especially in a new state. You don't know anybody. Get the VA healthcare If anything goes wrong, hooray, through there. So you talked about being a professional. You talked about how a to be an advocate. You talked about your path to beauty a little bit. You talked about how it's okay to fail classes or tests. And, you know, it doesn't define who you are. Right. I think a lot of veterans come in and they're really kicked ass in the military. And they're like, I'm going to do the same thing in school. And it's very hard. It's really hard to compete with someone who's 18, who just out of high school, who took chemistry a year ago. And the veteran has not seen chemistry in like five years, four years. And now we're supposed to know the same. But it's okay for you to struggle a little bit. You failed a whole year in PT school and you're still a fantastic PT here. If you're a veteran struggling, I struggle many classes here. I study all the time, ask for help. Like Holly said, be your own advocate. And I go around, I speak to a lot of students and I speak to a lot of people. Like I need help, I get it. At the VA, if you need help, ask, you will get it. There's a plethora of programs there for you that will help you. All you have to do is ask, which is very hard for a lot of people because it's not the military anymore. The VA is not the military. I've been plenty of time to denied healthcare in my submarine just because someone was lazy. I had a huge back problem in the military and I put in the paperwork to go. They told me they'll see me in three months. I was like, what? No, this is ridiculous. So I went out of pocket to a chiropractor, and they helped me a day later. About, I paid him out of pocket like 500 bucks for 10 sessions, but I paid out of pocket. And then three months finally came uh, for a notice to receive me. I went, and they saw me for like 20 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'll see you again in three months. I was like, no, dude, I'm done with you. And I told them, I receive way better healthcare than you out there at my own pocket because your system sucks. It was my last six months in, so I don't really care anymore about making connections. But it's very unfortunate, but I just want to emphasize that the VA hospital will help you. Not every VA hospital is the same. Some places, some departments are better than others. But there are some fantastic doctors and staff at the VA hospital. You should Just give them a chance.
1: A lot of people stop coming to therapy too soon. Uh, and this is something that I mean, we've talked about a few times, um, especially since you had said that you know you felt bad for like coming for a long time. But yeah. no, no, you gotta building strength takes time. Recovering from injuries takes time. Learning a new motor program, all of it takes time. We see this. We see this really frequently with. Uh, with especially ACLs, like, you know, people, um, people will commonly like tear an ACL or sprain an ankle and they'll go back to sport. Like once the swelling is gone or something, or like after like six months, like, you know, when they're like, yeah, I can run again, but you know what, they have half the strength in the surgical side that they did in like the non-injured side. And you really have to keep coming for long enough to make change. And a lot of people, they're like, eh, it feels okay now. Or like, ah, eh, my pain's like a two, but I really still have underlying weakness, So you you really gotta you know keep coming for a long long time and do you know make sure your therapist is doing tests to compare to your non your non injured side you know because ultimately the goal is to kind of get you back to what you're doing on the other side the other side is going to be the best indication of what's normal for you so um, make sure that you're with somebody who isn't just looking at the injured side they're also looking at your your good side (laughs) and comparing
0: something I find that a lot of people don't ask and it took me a long time to ask this question. What are the long-term effects of an injury? Because it's easy, like, I can run now, I can walk now. Like, when I first got here, when I first met you, like, a month into I was able to walk fine, but I, my strength was nowhere near what the good side is. And today, it's still not, it's way better, it's a lot closer. But it's not the same. And I think working to the long-term goals should be your ultimate goal. You don't want to be like 50 years old and can't walk because the energy you had in your 20s.
1: 100%. Yeah. You want
0: to, I know we don't really think about it but like when you have grandkids you don't want to be running around with them. Go to the baseball games. Play catch with them.
1: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: You don't want to be that guy that like oh my back hurts. I can't go with you. Grandson. Granddaughter. Because you want to to be with people. You want to have fun. And so like be your own advocate. Just like Dr. Redman says like Really care not just about the immediate relief, but the long term relief as well. So see all the programs you possibly could need.
1: Yep. And I think that goes to speak to the concept of like choosing yourself. It's it's really easy to um to show up for other people, you know. Like you asked me to be here today, I'm here. It's easy to, you know, make commitments to other people and to follow through with them. But sometimes it's harder to make commitments to yourself. And you gotta kinda recognize that whenever you are saying yes to someone else, you might be saying no to your own goals. Um, so it's important to get clear on your goals and to plan out what you want to do for you. That way, you know you can say no if you need to. To requests from other people. Um, every time you're kind of saying yes to someone else, you might unconsciously be saying no to your own goals. So it's it's important to get clarity on what your goals are. And even if you're not entirely sure, like I know we've touched on this, like not everybody knows exactly what they want to do when they go to school. and And that's okay. Just like choose the path that gives you the most options then.
0: What would you say to someone that's having a struggle in between paths right now?
1: Ah, choose, choose the path that gives you the most options and know that you're not always going to be the same person. Um, I think sometimes people will fall under the illusion of permanence, it's called, where you think you're going to be the same person your entire life. And that's not true. You know, there's going to be like many, many versions of you that grow and change and are interested in different things. And you know, one career path that you're choosing your day is going to look the same forever. Well, maybe that's not the right one. Maybe you want to choose the career path that gives you a lot of different options and like movements, you know, in different directions where you could be working on, you know, this one year or like in a couple of years you could change projects. Like I would, I would give yourself um, the path that leads to the most choices. That way, as you grow and change, you know, you can change up what you're doing too.
0: How important do you think mentorship is?
1: Huge huge. I am only the clinician that I am today because I've had excellent mentorship. And I really sought out those mentors. I do feel as though you can learn something from everyone, but I know for sure that, uh, you know, sometimes the mentors that I was assigned were not always the mentors that were the right mentors for me. So I sought out extra mentorship and continuing ed and told people like, hey, I've heard that you're the best at this. I've heard other people, like patients say that, and other PTs say that when they don't know what to do with a patient, like, they send them to you. Can I shadow you? And you reach out to these people. People love sharing what they know with you if you're passionate and interested in it. And, like, I have been so fortunate. I really do feel as though, like, I've had the best mentorship. And most of the time it was because I sought it out, not because it was assigned to me.
0: Yeah, uh, I think you're right, like searching for different mentors to pick their brain. I know for sure I want to be in the health field. I know for sure I want to work at the VA, but eventually I want to like run the VA whole hospital. So I'm already thinking like, should I go to physical therapy first and then slowly work my way up or go to law school and go to health law? But, you know, I don't know the answer. I don't know the right path. I might only get accepted to one school and they'll that'll tell me yes or no. But for now, like you said, I'm picking different mentors. I know they're not coming to me. I'm seeking them out. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm hand-choosing them. I don't want to choose someone who won't even give me the time of day. Because they won't give me the time of day to even speak to them. They won't even give me the time of day to give me a real, thought-out answer that that shows they care. Right. I will also like to speak about, briefly, there's an awesome scholarship the VA has. HSPS. Can you speak a little bit about that?
1: Yes. I actually applied for that, and I didn't get it. Oh, damn. <laughs> That's okay. No, you know what? Um, the way to get it is to... A lot of people know, do not know about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I only found out about it in my last year PT school, and I know people that did get it, and the people that got it worked with the people who were writing their letters of reference, and they kind of kind of drafted their own letters. And they said, you know, they showed it to their professor and said, hey, would you feel comfortable... like?" talking about these points about me. Whereas I had just asked people for a letter of reference and, you know, they might have written like a sentence or two. But the people that I know that got it, like drafted their own letters, talked to their professors and said, would you feel comfortable saying something like this? Like, I'm okay if you modify it, but this is the information that I would like in my letter. This is what I want to stand out about me. And they were all successful. So if you are planning to apply for something like that, uh, give, give your people who are giving you a letter of reference a leg up, like give them some material to work with and some stuff that you want to highlight about yourself. Um, because you know, they're most likely getting asked to write letters of reference all the time and their letters of reference might not be very specific or, you know, well thought out. It might be just a sentence or two. This person shows up, this person got an A in my class, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, um, I, I would recommend, uh, touching on very specific information that you want in your letter of reference and, you know, giving them that material to work off of.
0: And this scholarship is not just for veterans. I think there's, like, one program in there that is only for veterans. But anybody can apply for most of these programs. And they're really cool. Uh, you know, they pay for your schooling. The only catch is you have to work for the VA afterwards.
1: Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> you get a job at the VA Guaranteed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know, I do think, like, I want to work at the VA. But, you know, just the bad stigma of the older veterans. So hopefully with this podcast and, you know, just people like me and other veterans who go there could eventually, like, in time, get rid of that stigma. Because like I said earlier, like, every company has bad workers that don't care. So you're going to get those with VA for sure. There's no doubt about it. But the vast majority of people I personally have seen from the VAs, like, went from California to New York, have been great. From nurses to PAs to surgeons to physical therapists, the vast majority have been, like, really stellar so, like, I'm really thankful for the VA insurance. It's free. Another thing that the military tells you, you need, like, 60% disability or something ridiculous when you get there. I got the VA healthcare with 0% disability. And the only difference when I got my disability rating now, which is only 10%, is that I don't have a copay when I, when I get medicine. And the copay was, like, $10 before. So, it wasn't even bad. Oh, wow. So, and I got, a, <laughs> I got like, a $300 check one time for all of the copays like, I paid for. I got a return for me once I got ten percent. So I highly recommend getting VA healthcare, even if you don't have any disability. I had multiple surgeries for free from from a surgeon in San Francisco that specialized in ankles. If I was getting like outpatient care or like community care, there's no way that would have happened. So guys, girls, how do you recommend VA healthcare. Hear it from Doctor Redman herself that she truly does care about every single person that goes in there. I've have seen her for over a year now. And when, when she first started speaking about, like, my ankle, like, different little techniques, I was like, this is ridiculous. I should be, like, jumping or running right now. And But in time and more I learned in myself in the academic world, she was right. Like, I can see it now. I could see the long-term effects really helping, really progressing. And it's been fantastic. I can emphasize enough, if you have the ability to go to VA Healthcare, go. It's worth it just to have it in your back pocket just in case, if anything else. And give them a shot if you need it. It's also a lot easier to go there if you do apply for disabilities because... Like Doctor Redman said earlier, they all speak to another. This system all talks, so all your notes are in one spot, What makes it awesome and easier for you when you do apply for disability. If you do go that route, you clearly really love your job. Oh yeah, why do you love your job?
1: Um, really, it's just working with the most deserving people. Like knowing that at some point, like every one of you had said, like you know that you wanted to be a part of something bigger than yourself and like commit to service to others. That's um, that's just amazing to me. The mission of service. Uh, that's 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 where it is. When you uh, when you're a part of something like bigger than you, and you know, commit yourself to like doing good for other people. That's where like the universe comes in to support you. Truthfully, like that's if you're if you're out for yourself and you're just working for you, like you don't get that kind of support. But being able to work with people who have said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna devote myself to service, like come what may, like that's that's just amazing. I get to hear the most incredible stories and connect with the coolest people. I really do love every day and, you know, at the VA, I have the resources to give people the tools they need to really thrive. It's it's amazing. Oh, I also do have to say um, that this is, this is my opinion while I work at the VA. I'm not representing the VA. <laughs> We're required mm. to say that, but yeah, I really do love what I do and uh, I do hope that, you know, if any student vets or just other vets are listening to the podcast that they come and give us a chance. Cause um, you know, there are people who really, really do care and who want to help you. I mean, that's, that's why I'm there. <laughs> it's, I, I, do think that I, I could probably work in any other setting and I would never want to, like I'm, I'm living the dream, being able to serve the most deserving people.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate you and you care, you care factor every day because I was with you for 30 minutes and then immediately when I'm in the elevator, waiting for the elevator, I hear you with the same exact motivation for the next person. I'm not the only student veteran that I've heard that too. Other student veterans here, I mentioned that and that's awesome. Like you don't only do it to like the younger student veterans, but to all the veterans that are walking in and you're the same motivation. We feed off of it. Yeah, let's do this. like Let's go get better. Let's go rehab. Let's go, you know, run, jog, whatever it is. Let's do it. Oh, and yeah. yeah, we super appreciate it. Aww, thanks and, for uh, saying that. And like Dr. Raymond said, if you don't have that uh, healthcare provider that you feel that way about, do not be embarrassed, afraid to ask for a new one. I remember that first time I asked for a new one, I was like, I was really timid. Like, man, like, is it me? Am I not doing the best I could do for the situation? But no, like if you need a better person, just do it. Not everybody's got their job. You do not have to be their guinea pig for that. You were a guinea pig for a long time in the military. You don't need that anymore. You have a voice. You are a real person. And you should go act like it. You are. You should be treated like a human being. You didn't even be treated like the way you were. I understand that everybody had the same experience in the military. But if you didn't have the best experience, you do not need to carry that along with you forever. You are a human being. You are worth a good provider. You deserve a good provider in all departments of the VA.
1: Yep. Shop around. And there's nothing wrong with, you don't even have to drag the person and say, like, this isn't what I, you know, I didn't like this and this and this. Just say, you know, I didn't really connect with that person. I'd like to work with someone else next time. And you could even ask, like, who do you recommend? Who does everybody love? You know? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. and they'll tell you. And also, too, um, this is... This is a trick from um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But if you really feel like, you know, there's only one person that, you know, you've got one option and they're not really doing the job that you would hope that they're doing. You can say to them, you know, I've been coming here now for, you know, such and such amount of time. I know that you've always done a good job for me. And I really, really appreciate that. And I'm hoping, you know, to get this out of today. And like, I know that, you know, because you've given me good care in the, in the past, I trust you. And I, I know that we're going to make this happen. And a lot of the time when people hear that, like, you feel that they've done a good job for you in the past, then they'll uphold that standard in the future. So if you really only have one option, you can try that. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, there's going to be another provider. And we got multiple PTs. We got multiple chiropractors, massage therapists. We got plenty of people who might have a different style or just click with you more and, uh, and that's, that's okay. You got to shop around. Find the provider that works with you, that you feel like you can you know, really connect with. And, and it's a back and a forth. They're listening to you. They're talking with you. They're giving you the amount of time that you feel like you need. To, to understand you.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then on the veterans, I would say like be patient because sometimes, I would say most of the time, your doctor is not a veteran. So when you say, where like I was on a submarine and I was doing whatever, where I was on a helicopter and instead of in a helicopter you say this random ass name. They don't know what you're saying. So just be patient, speak to them because a lot of times they're not veterans and they're there to help you. But like just because you had like, a bad fight before or bad experience before, Go into open mindset and really like give your effort because they're gonna give your give your best effort because they're gonna give their best effort to you. And if you find that's not not happening, like Dr. Holly said, shop around. But most of the time, they will help you as long as you help yourself as well. Well, thank you so much for coming. I super appreciate it. I think you a lot of good information now. A lot of veterans will will benefit from this.
1: Oh, thank you. Honestly, this was my pleasure. And I really thank you for thinking of me. I would love, love to see more vets come through and, you know, just give us a chance. Like we really want to help and, you know, you're deserving of that help. So hopefully uh, we we get some more people coming through and, uh, or even, even if they think about it now and then a couple of years from now, they're like, you know what, I'll I'll give it a go. All right, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for having
0: me. Oh, thank you.